Welcome to the Greater Church Podcast. We are praying that wherever you find yourself on the journey, that this message will be an encouragement and blessing to you. And now, here's today's message. Uh, If you guys can open up your Bibles to Matthew chapter 1, Matthew chapter 1, verse 2. And where are we reading to? We are reading all the way to... Man, did I get that wrong? I think I put that wrong in there. We're going to read to 16. Did that, is that what? Oh, that's what I said. Okay. All right. Awesome. Matthew chapter 1, 2 through 16. Let's drive right into this. For those of you who haven't read your Bible all year long, we got you covered this morning. You're going to go to heaven today because we got scripture to read. Amen. All right, let's do it. And it says, Abraham was the father of Isaac, the father of Jacob, Jacob, the father of Judah and his brothers, Judah, the father of Perez and Zerah, whose mother was Tamar. That's important to know. Perez, the father of Hezron, Hezron, the father of Ram, Ram, the father of Amimadad, and Amimadad, I'm a butcher a lot of these, okay? The father of Nashalon. Nashon or Nashalon was the father of Salmon. Salmon. Salmon was the father of <laughs> just being silly. Uh, father was the uh, father of Boaz, whose mother was Rahab. Boaz, the father of Obedad whose mother was Ruth, Obedad, the father of Jesse, and Jesse was the father of King David. David was the father of Solomon, whose mother had been Uriah's wife. Solomon was the father of Rehambohoman and Abijaj, and the father of Asa. What? Oh, he cursed on the stage. Lord, forgive him. The father, I'm not going to skip that name. The father of Jehoshaphat, Jehoshaphat, the father of Jehoram, Jehoram, the father of Uzziah, Uzziah, the father of Jotham, Jotham, the father of Ahazaz, Ahazaz, the father of Hezekiah, Hezekiah, the father of Manasseh, Manasseh, the father of Amnon, Amnon, the father of Josiah, Josiah, the father of Jeconiah, and his brothers at the time of the exile to Babylon. And after the exile to Babylon, Jeconiah was the father of Shetil. Shetil, the father of Zerubbabel. Zerubbabel, the father of Abihud. Abihud, the father of Eliakim. Eliakim, the father of Azor. Azor, the father of Zodak. Zodak, the father of Akim. Akim, the father of Elihud. Elihud, the father of Eleazar. Eleazar, the father of Manhattan, Mathan, Mathan, the father of Jacob. We going somewhere, I promise you. And Jacob, the father of Joseph and the husband of Mary. And Mary was the mother of Jesus who is called the Messiah. Wow, that was a tongue twister. You might be wondering where I'm going. Lord, you, if you put this on my heart, you better help me today. Um, <laughs> but it's going to be good. Man, if I could give today a title, it would be called Family Matters. Family Matters. So if you're taking notes, that's the title for today, Family Matters. Hey, why don't you close your eyes and go with me before God in prayer today. Father God, Lord, we thank you for today. We thank you, Father God, that we woke up, that you put life in our bodies and air in our lungs, Father God. We pray, Lord, that we would make today count. 
And Father God, Lord, today as we sit here and we discuss your word, we pray, Lord, that you would be lifted high in this place, that your name would be magnified. Father God, Lord, that we would catch a revelation of how much you love us, of the purpose and the plan that you have for us, Father God, and that we could trust in you. And that when we do so, Father God, our lives will change for the better. Father God, Lord, we surrender this moment to you. Help me convey your word as you have put it on my heart. We trust in you today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Freddie, thank you so much. Don't it sound good when he's on the keys? My goodness, give it up for Freddie. Oof. You might as well just stay just to make it spiritual. You know what I'm saying? Just joking. Um, so I, I was, uh, I kind of been on this like this little journey, you know, studying Matthew. And um, I always, always skipped over that part. Uh, but for some reason, I felt like God put it on my heart to stay there, to park there and to study it. Um, and so as I was reading about the family of Jesus, it got me thinking about my own family, right? So like we're on the holidays and family's coming over or we're going to see family. But this particular holiday, we were kind of excited, me and my wife, because we were going to spend the holidays alone, like just us. It was just going to be us five. And we were super excited to just be hanging out in the house, not having to entertain nobody. And last minute, my sister calls me and she's like, hey, we're coming over, right? We're coming over, us and our four blessed kids. We're coming over, right? And so my family, they don't ask for permission. They just show up. That's just kind of the vibe, right? That's just what they do. Uh, so soon after that, that phone call, my brother calls me. He's like, hey, we're showing up with our four blessed boys. And I was like, Lord have mercy. So the five that we were going to have turned into 13 people coming over the house to spend Thanksgiving, right? But what's awesome about it is that if you sit back and you watch, right, it's, it's a, there's a lot of personality in our family, right? A lot of personality. So I'm going to talk about that, and hopefully they don't listen to this podcast, or hopefully they're not watching live. And I feel like I have the place that I can do these jokes, you know, I could joke around and talk about them a little bit, but... Next Sunday, I may not have a family to go back to, so it's going to be good. It's going to be good. But they're awesome. I, I, I love my family because my sister, she's amazing. She's like, she's like the epitome of like our family. Like she holds the crown. You know, she's done everything right. But my sister got some crazy kids. They're crazy kids. they like, they wild. They're some wild kids. And they always make the joke because I was, they say I was supposed to want to have those kids, right? But we all got that family member whose kids are out of control. You know what I'm saying? They don't play no games whatsoever, right? Um, but we got that family. And then I got my brothers. You know, they're like very opinionated. They got a comment for everything. How many of y'all know that family member, the opinionated family member? Let's, be, let, let's just address it. Somebody's going to talk about masks. Okay, if somebody, if a family get together, somebody gonna bring a mask, it's gonna be a problem over here. So people start throwing out facts. The CDC says this, right? So it gets crazy, right? Family's fun. But, and then we all got the family members running from Jesus. I got a little brother who's running from Jesus. He know it too, because I be telling him every time we're talking, I'm like, boy, you better get yourself before the Lord, man. You playing out here. You better come to Jesus. I hope he's watching right now too. I'm talking about you, Peter. You better come to Jesus right now. Out here working a job and ain't tithing. I told him he better tithe to the Lord. Uh, 
But we all got these, like, there's, like, all these interesting characters in our family, right? We got that, that one uncle who, like, who thinks he's young, and he's, like, the one who's try, always trying to party. He's always trying to dance like it's 1999, you know what I'm saying? That's me. That's actually, I am that, that guy. I'm the one who's always trying to dance and stuff. And what happened was, is for my birthday, I got a hurt knee. My knee swelled up on my birthday. I said, oh, Lord. That's, when you get older, that's your birthday gifts. You get aches and pains on your birthdays, right? So, but I'm that uncle. I think I, I'm still young. My wife dressed me up. I said, yo, I want to like, I want to look fresh, okay? So like, dress me up, you know what I'm saying? So that's, that's what I'm wearing right now. It's me. Uh, but yeah, so we, but as I was reading this story, it's, it's interesting because we all find, we are all a culmination of our family units, right? We're all a culmination of our upbringing. We're all a culmination of our great-great-grandfather who raised our great-great, or who raised our great-grandfather who raised our father. And all of that has passed down into us. We are a culmination of their decisions, their actions, and what they wanted to do. And so as I began began to read this lineage of Jesus, it got me thinking about all these characters that are involved in the lineage of Jesus and how Jesus came to this earth, right? And Jewish people, they thought it was, in the Jewish people at this time, they thought it was incredibly important to take meticulous records of the genealogy of families. It was important to them. But what I find interesting is that as you look through this genealogy of Jesus, it's a bunch of jacked up people. A bunch of people who made bad decisions. I was like, that looked like my family. That's, that's my family. My crazy uncle doing crazy things. God bless the Lord Jesus. Save him, right? So I'm looking through this, and it's not this perfect pedigree. It's not perfect people. It's not people who've never sinned and made mistakes. In fact, there are four women involved in this Bible. Some of them weren't even Jewish and weren't even allowed to take part in the blessing that God had for the Jewish people, but God still grafted them in and brought them in. He put some prostitutes in there, some harlots in there, some people who made some bad mistakes, David who was jacked up and messed up. And as I look at this genealogy of Jesus, I always skipped over I never never paid attention to who begat who. I skipped over that. But then as I began to read about all the individuals who are in this genealogy of Jesus, I realized that it looks like a lot like me and a lot like you and a lot like the picture of my family who's messed up and jacked up and things that I thought were exclusive to me alone, I see that represented in the Bible and in Jesus. And so the importance of a genealogy is not only that you can keep meticulous record, but it was also to prove that Jesus was the son of man who came to this earth to save and rescue us. But there's a couple of things that I'd like to pull out of this text as we dive into it. And the first thing that came to me was identity. The importance of a genealogy was to prove your identity, especially at this time and age, it was to prove that you were a Jew and that you would be a partaker of the blessings of Abraham. That these blessings were available to you because you can find your identity in the genealogy of someone who was Jewish. Right? So now because you're Jewish, because you can prove that Abraham was your father, your great-great-grandfather, that you fall in this lineage, now you can lay hold of the blessings that God had promised. That was their 
identity. So if we go to Romans, let's just go to Romans uh, 11, 17, 18, uh, 11, uh, sorry, Romans chapter 11, verses 17 through 18. Uh, we got 16 up there, but let's, let's read 16 because I didn't put that on my notes. Uh, if the part of the dough offered as its first fruits is holy, then the whole branch is holy. If the root is holy, so, he, so are the branches. If some of the branches have been broken off and you, though a wild olive shoot, that's us, we are wild olive shoots, have been grafted in among the others and now share in the nourishing sap from the olive root, family tree. So we have been grafted in to the family tree, and now we get to partake of the blessing that comes with that. Do not consider yourselves to be superior to those other branches. If you do, consider this. You do not support the root, but the root supports you. My goodness, that last part of the preach, so we can, we can end it right there. The root supports you, right? We are supported by Jesus. Let's read one more scripture. Let's go to Ephesians uh, chapter 1, verse 4 through 5. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 4 through 5. And it says, for he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will. So we now have been adopted by Jesus. When we accept Jesus as the Lord and Savior, we walk into a relationship where we are now grafted in to the body of Christ. That means that whatever comes with Jesus becomes available to us because we have been adopted. So when you think about this idea of identity, it, it reminds me of my family, right? So my family is, we're Caribbean. Right? So we're from the Virgin Islands. And in the Virgin Islands, everybody knows everybody, specifically by your last name. Right? So when you go to the Caribbean, when you go to the islands, you just say your last name and they automatically know who you are because they know your entire family by that last name. If I go out there and I say Hodges, they're like, I know your dad. I grew up with your dad. And they'll tell you the kind of person you are because of your family. You have an identity, right? And so my family gets really upset sometimes because I'm from the Caribbean. I didn't grow up there, but I'm the only one who's retained the dialect, you know what I'm saying, of the Caribbean. So when we say, I'm going to go somewhere, I'm going to go do that thing, you know what I'm saying? But do that right. And then we got a scene that says, me is who me is and me not who me not, you know? So like, and they get, they get upset. My brothers and sisters get upset because I got it and they didn't. But, uh, but... But there's something about like a language, right? Like you had this language and even we even see it in the Bible where Peter, where Peter is uh, denying Jesus and they say your language, we know you're one of them because your language betrays you, right? So there's this power in identity, right? There's this power when people know who you are because of the way you speak. People know who you are because of who your parents are. So now if we think about this, if we think about what the word of God is saying, that means that God is saying that I am his son, that I am his son. See, so what happens sometimes is we don't wear this like we're supposed to. We don't wear this. See, I have access. To, I have access because of who my dad was. So if Jesus is saying I am now adopted, if Jesus is saying that I am his son, 
That means that whatever God said in his word, that's available to me because that is my identity. My identity has completely changed. In fact, the one said God created Jesus on the cross as if he lived your life so you could treat you, so he could treat you as if you lived his life. My goodness, can I tell you that? Jesus is here to change your identity. You are not your past. You are not your mistakes. You are not your mess ups. No, in fact, that he has adopted you. He has grafted you into the tree and now you're a different person. So everywhere you go, how you talk, oh, I know who you are. There's something different about you. You got that Jesus on the inside of you. Oh, because my identity has been changed. And so what I would like to, what I would like for you to walk away with is for you to understand your identity. You are not your family tree as, as much as you want to be a part of it. There's things you're going to have for it, but can I tell you, you are more than that. You are a son and a daughter of Christ, and that is your identity. That is your identity. That everywhere you go, that your language will betray you because you understand that you have been adopted by Jesus Christ and grafted in to the body of Christ. Another thing that's important about this genealogy is that it provides history. It provides history. And so let's go to Hebrews 13, Hebrews chapter 13, verse 8. And it says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Let's go to Malachi 3.6. And it says, I, the Lord, do not change. So you, the descendants of Jacob, are not destroyed. And so as I got to thinking about this, we all have family trees and we all got, we all know like our personal business about our family, right? We all got like stuff that's like happened in our family that we're not necessarily proud of, right? Some things that have gone down that, that we're not proud of. And sometimes these things have like defined who we are. But if we're reading this gospel and we're reading that God has decided for us to be included in his genealogy, then we understand that the track record of God becomes our history, right? The track record of God becomes my history. So what happens is, is that when I begin to face seasons where I feel like they're about to overtake me, that means I can go back to God's word and I can watch his faithfulness. Because that faithfulness is something that that's not separated from me, not something that I'm watching from the outside. No, that's something that is available to me. That's a part of my story. So if God was a deliverer back then, he's a deliverer now. So if God was a provider back then, he's my provider now. And all of that history that God has done where he has proved himself faithful and just and merciful and kind and loving, that history now becomes a part of my history history because I am now part of the body of Christ. I am part of God's genealogy. And what I love about this is that we don't see God skimping over the details. No, he starts mentioning person by person, name after name. He, we don't see a summary of Jesus' genealogy. The reason why we see so many names is that God would want you to know that he's concerned about all the details of your life. He's concerned about everything that's going on. He's concerned about the person that may feel the smallest. There are people that we have no idea who they are that are in this genealogy, yet they 
were named because God thought it was important for them, for him to show that he is concerned about you and the details of your life. My goodness, the history. What I love about this is that we don't find this history in the Bible of amazing men doing amazing things. No, in fact, we find an amazing God using flawed men to change the world. That's the Bible that we read. That is the Bible that we read. And my hope for you today, my hope is that you wouldn't come in here Sunday after Sunday getting a secondhand sermon. That you wouldn't come in here getting a secondhand message. See, what woke this up for me was when I took time to sit down and read God's word and listen what he had to say. You see, if somebody, when we, me and my wife were first dating, my friends, we, we have like mutual friends, and they told me that she liked me. You know what I'm saying? They say, hey, she feeling you. You know what I'm saying? I say, okay. That's what's up. And I was good. Like, it kind of like, it like, it gave me like a little bit of emotion, you know what I'm saying? But when she didn't call me back after like three days, then I was like wondering, you know, did she really like me, right? But when she told me she liked me, it was completely different. It was completely different. It, didn't, it translated differently. Now I wasn't waiting on that phone call every minute because I knew exactly where she stood. Man, church today, I don't want you to come in here Sundays after Sunday and the only time you hear God's word is when you come in here. No, my hope is that you would go home and that you would get a firsthand experience with Jesus that you would read this history that he's made available and that you would know that you were loved, that you were cared for, not because a pastor said it or you heard it in a song, no, because you read it and you know it's true. You know he loves you. You know he cares for you. You know that he has the best for you. My goodness. I, I love it because we find these people, we, all of us, right? We, we all would like to have somebody famous in our family, you know what I'm saying? We like it, it, it was it was a claim to fame back then. In fact, if you were like, yeah, I'm a descendant of Abraham, it was like their claim to fame that there was like a great patriarch in their family tree. Right. And all of us, whether you like it or not, whether you be honest or not, we all like there's like this. It feels good to be associated with somebody of stature. It feels good. It feels good to say, yeah, my great grandfather built this invention or created this or did this. Man, church, if you catch it today, if we are now in the body of Christ, that means that our father is the greatest creator that has ever existed. That means that my father isn't just a nobody. He isn't just this average person. No, my father is the king of kings and the Lord of lords who breathed the galaxies into existence. So why do we walk with our head down when who I'm associated with is the most amazing person that you could ever think of? He is beyond the person. He has forgiven my sins. He died on the cross. He has made a way for humanity to be saved. That is who I am a relationship with that is him who is in my genealogy I don't need a famous basketball player I don't need a famous designer no I got the king of kings in my genealogy he is my father and I am his son and that is you today the bible says that we have been grafted in we have been grafted in this genealogy really got me tripped up really got me tripped up because it got me thinking, have I been watching God from the sidelines? 
have I been watching him from the sidelines when he's called me to play? You know, so many times that I've read God's word or I've come to a service and I was like, man, that's, that's good and all, but you don't know my past. Man, that's good and all, but man, I'm just a mess up. Man, that's good and all, but man, I, I could barely make rent today. Like, how's that going to work out? Man, that's, and what I don't realize is, or what I failed to realize was, man, I'm not an average person. I wasn't created to be average. I wasn't meant to be average. No, in fact, I was called into a relationship with Jesus Christ. And if we can think about how intimate and how close we are to the ones we love and our family, man, that same thought translates into God's word. That if I can pick up the phone and I could call my mom and I can have an honest conversation with her, not because I'm a stranger, no, because I have relationship with her. How much more the King of Kings that has called me into relationship with him? Why do I find myself so far away and build up walls like I can't talk to him and say I've messed up, I've gone too far, I've done too much? No, he has called you into relationship. So that means I can pick up the phone. I could talk to him whenever I need. I can share with him all that's going on. I have a different kind of access because he has called me into his family. Another important fact about this was inheritance. A reason why they would write these genealogies is because there was an inheritance that was involved with who you were related to. The Jewish tribes, they had received land inheritance in Israel because of the tribe that they were a part of. And in order to receive this inheritance, you needed evidence to prove that you were a part of that tribe. We're, let's see your genealogy. Let's see where that goes. Let's see where that goes. And what stuck out to me was, let's, let's go to Colossians chapter 1, verse 12. Inheritance. Inheritance, inheritance. And it, Colossians 1.12 says, And giving joyful thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of his holy people in the kingdom of light. So the reason why they would write these genealogies is to show that we or you or whoever was a rightful heir or a rightful person who could receive the blessings that belong to that tribe or that person. And so it got me thinking that if there's an inheritance for me, if there's like a, usually an inheritance, it's followed by a will. You know, someone will take a will and they will write what belongs to who. They will say, and usually it'd be attached with a note or a thought. A note or a thought. And so it got me thinking that if Jesus has given me an inheritance, if he has qualified me for the inheritance, it's a testament. There's a will that's attached to it. And if somebody you know, somebody you love, leaves you something, leaves you a will, you're going to pay special attention to the words that they have to share. You're going to value it. That means something. When somebody has left you something and they've written you into the will and say, I leave this 
to Joe. And Joe, you're an incredible person and you've always been there for me. And man, I love you so much. And I couldn't think of anybody else who I'd want to leave my house to. And those words, you wouldn't throw them away. You wouldn't ignore them. You would pay special attention to them. And it got me thinking about this word, this Bible that God has given us. This will, this living will. That we would pay special attention to it. That we would hold it dear, this testament that he has left for us to read, to cherish, to apply. Man, that we would hold it dearly as we would for somebody else who would leave us their last will, their testament. I, uh, November 19th, last year, my father passed away, right? My father passed away. And there's something that happened in that that really brought this to light. So when my father passed away, there was an inheritance that was left for me. There was an inheritance that was left for me. But this inheritance wasn't available until my father passed away. But once he did, that blessing that was stored up got released to me. Not because it's what I deserved, but it was actually a legal document that released it to me. So because of his passing, it doesn't matter what anybody said or what anyone thought or what they had to say or what they had to do. Legally, this became mine that no one could revoke or could change because of his passing. Let's read a scripture, Hebrews chapter 9, 16 through 17. And it says, in the case of a will, it is necessary to prove the death of the one who made it because a will is in force only when somebody has died. It never takes effect while the one who made it is living. And then I really understood when Jesus died on the cross. I really understood all this wrestling that I've always done, like, ah, God, I know I'm forgiven, but man, do you know what I did this time? All the wrestling that I've ever done, like, God, I know you provided this time, but man, it's really bad this time. I don't know if you can provide this time. Or God, I'm really sick this time. I, I know you're a healer, but can you do it? Let me tell you something, church. This word that we read is in effect because he has died and his death has put into action the blessing that is made available to all. It can't be revoked. It can't be turned back. It is yours because he has died. His dying on the cross has released the forgiveness of sins. If you would believe it. His dying on the cross has healed my body, if you would believe it. It is available to me, not because it's just words, but no, the Father, the King of Kings has put it into action. 
that his son would die that I might live. It also got me thinking, if death releases the blessing, if death releases God's will, then what is God calling for me to put to death that I might see his blessing come to life? I felt like God spoke that to me because the Bible calls us to die to our flesh. In Romans chapter 8, verse 12, it says, Therefore, brothers and sisters, we have an obligation, but it is not to the flesh to live according to it. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if, you, but if by the Spirit you put to death the mysteries of the body, you will live. Church, I don't know where you're at, but can I tell you that when I read this, that God convicted me, there's some things you got to put to die. There's some things you got to let go. There's some relationships. I don't know where you're at. There's a relationship that you got to cut off. There's a number you got to delete. There's something that you got to give up that you've been holding on to. But can I tell you, when you do so, you will watch God's will come to life. What is the blessing have you been waiting on? Maybe God is calling you to give up something. Maybe that's why you haven't reached it yet because God is calling you to put to death the thing that has been holding you back. But can I tell you, that when you die to yourself daily, you will see God's will come to life. You will see God's will come to life. And all across this room, would you bow your head and close your eyes? Thanks for listening to our podcast today. The mission of Greater Church is to reach and empower all people. And we hope that this message met you wherever you find yourself on the journey. If God is using this ministry to impact your life, please head to our website at www.greater.church where you can read a message from our pastors, partner with us by giving online, and learn more about what is happening in the life of our church. And don't forget to subscribe to our podcast and follow us on 